dear chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. Hey, all Welcome back to Dear Chiefs Podcast. This is Audra. And so today we are lucky to have a special guest with us who is also a firewife, school guidance counselor, and all-around awesome person. And her Instagram is fire. I love it so much. Welcome, Shannon of School Counselor on Fire. What's up, girl? Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Um, we're so excited to have you on. It's so fun. I love your Instagram. It's like the best thing ever. It's my new 2021 fave. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about your firefighter and yourself. Okay. So um, we actually, um, my husband and I, we have been married um, for 21 years now. Um, and he's been in the fire service the whole time. So he's a fire captain and Um, we both live and work in our same, I guess the same community. Um, so we're like the hometown people here, um, where we live. Um, a little bit about us is besides being married for 21 years, we have, uh, three kiddos. So we have 20 year olds, an 18 year old and a 13 year old. Um, we met in high school. So I guess we're like, kind of high school sweethearts. I mean, he graduated a year before me. So um, we started dating like my senior year. And I knew pretty early on that he wanted to be in the fire service. And, um, you know, he did a few jobs, like before the fire service, he got in it pretty soon after high school, and became a volunteer pretty much right after high school, and then started working for the forest service, and then went on to Cal Fire. It was called CDF back then. <laughs> um, and then he went to a, a pretty small department um, on an Indian reservation. And he did about uh, 15 years of his career there when a position came up in our local town for a lateral fire captain. And so he transferred into that. And he's been there for the past few years. So he worked on an Indian reservation for 15 years? Mm-hmm. he did that's yeah he, was a, he moved up through the ranks that was like you know he started as a firefighter and then an engineer and, and very shortly after that became a captain wow that's really cool yeah so my husband worked for cdf when they were cdf mm-hmm. uh, pre, this was pre-cal fire we're, we're aging, right we're we're aging ourselves um, right <laughs> totally <laughs> always makes me feel so old like yeah they don't even call it that anymore right I worked for Cal Fire when it was CDF too but um I didn't know him then <laughs> <laughs> doesn't count okay so you're a school counselor I am for I am. what grade? I'm a high school so okay. I am a high school counselor um 
I'm, I'm in my seventh year, I believe. Um, so I was an elementary school counselor when I first started and then quickly moved up to high school because that's always just been my passion mm-hmm. is really helping um, students with like the what's next. I love that part of my job. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually the, I guess the lead counselor. So like the department leader for my, for my team. Um, so that's been an adventure as well, but um, I love it. You know, the, it comes with a lot of challenges, especially right now <laughs> that we're in this distance learning. Mm-hmm. Um, we left on March 13th and we have not been back. So, yeah. Yeah. Chelsea and I were just talking about that in the previous episode about um, our state of affairs and our state of the state. And all that uh, encompasses that. And I'm not going to say too much about it. (laughs) We went off about it a little bit on the last episode. But um, how do you think the kids are doing? I think it depends. Um, I think it depends on the level. It depends on the student. Um, What we're seeing a lot of is that they are either being super successful Like we're seeing a lot of just straight A's and B's. And then um, we're seeing the other end. We're seeing just failing. So they're either like straight A's all the way down or straight F's. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that this has to be like our highest um, failure rate that we've ever had. Unfortunately, like right now we're one day away from the first semester ending. And so we're just kind of in that like limbo where we're, we're waiting for the grades to post as counselors, right? Because we have to review all those transcripts and, and see what the damage is from first semester. Um, but we've never seen anything like this where the failure rate is so high. Um, and we do a lot of outreach as counselors to these students and these families. And a lot of what we're hearing is um, when we're able to get a hold of families, is um, there's just a lot of life going on right now. So um, a lot of our families, especially the valley that I'm in, they're in survival mode. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, maybe mom or dad lost their job. And so now the student is having to go to work because if they don't, then they don't have anywhere to live. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we see, we see and hear things like that. You know, we're seeing increases in homelessness and families doubling up and um, food insecurity. That's been a big one um, that we're hearing a lot of is Families that never thought that they would have to ask for food or, or resources in that way, or, you know, having to line up these food pantries or Salvation Army and things. So it's hard, you know, but then at the same time, it's like, okay, well, um, but get those grades up because, <laughs> you know, you got to make sure that you graduate. And I, I'm kind of chuckling because it feels just so trivial at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and I, and I have to remind myself is that these kids are living in a time that none of us have ever had. Like, we didn't have to go to school during a pandemic. School would have probably just been canceled because we didn't have access to technology like that back then. Yep. And so I think we have to remember that just because we provide them with like, oh, we provided them with a Chromebook. We provided them with a hotspot. Um that's not just going to be the, the fix all for this. We need to make sure that the kids basic needs are being met. 
Um, because if those basic needs aren't being met, it's just going to be really hard for them to reach that full potential. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're experiencing. Um, that's with the academics. And then you, you think about like the mental health piece. Um, definitely students are reporting increased um, feelings of isolation, of just hopelessness. You know, I mean, I know as an adult, sometimes there's days that I say, like, what am I doing? Like, is, is this for real? Like, are we really just trying to push along while we're in this pandemic? Um, and I'm an adult, like I can rationalize things and, you know, I can think about the big picture of things. Um, and my, my reality is much different than my students. Um, so I can't even imagine them that, um, you know, what they hear is just keep pushing, keep pushing forward and everything will be okay. But if their mental health isn't okay, that's really the core of everything. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at with, with it all. Man. So you guys were in the same state, obviously. So mm-hmm. they haven't been in school since March. And I'm guessing if you're like our district and Chelsea's district, you guys don't have any kind of plan to go back hybrid or anything. Um, there's a plan. Um, the district, you know, the districts are really good at setting out um, plans and they try to work through all the different scenarios that could happen. Um, but the reality is, is at least where I'm at in Southern California, we're in like a really deep purple tier that I jokingly say, if there was a black tier, like that's where we would be at right now. Um, we're at 0%, 0% capacity for hospitals. Our local hospital, my husband was saying a few weeks ago already, they can't transport to that hospital um, to transport to outside hospitals, um, which we're, we're in a really uh, unique kind of area where I guess we're like suburban, not completely like rural, but our cl- closest hospital besides our local one would be at least 20 to 30 minutes away. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and that's just kind of how it is in, in Southern California right now. Um, everything's at capacity. Um, they're, you know, they're starting to implement things that I don't think they've ever had to implement before just to make sure that the healthcare workers are being taken care of. Yeah. My husband, I don't know if Chelsea, if you guys got this OES actually sent out a notification that um, Kern County, I think Santa Clara County and another County were looking for um, paramedics. Paramedic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was like, what? I'm, this is, I've never heard of this before. And they're not looking for paramedics to do emergency care in an ambulance. They're looking for paramedics to do emergency care in an ER. Mm -hmm. So that is very, very unique for those of you that don't, don't know that. Um, paramedics don't typically do rounds in the ER. No. So, I mean, they do for their training that they go through to get their, their paramedic card, but they don't typically work in the ER. Yeah. So desperate co- t- times call for desperate measures. That's where we're at. That's, yeah. That's where we're at as well. My husband. Well, we're not there here in Northern California, where I live in particularly, we have 35% capacity in our ER here in our region, um, okay. in our ICUs. 
Um, so we actually are, are doing very well um, mm-hmm. in comparison to the rest of the state. Um, and fortunately for us, our ICU capacity here locally in our Rao hospital is, is at a 100%. So um, we're, we're not in that, in that black tier, as you would call it. Um, but we also can only have 35 people in our ICUs in within a two hour radius of my house. So, you know, and we have, I think it's 19,000 people in the County. So, you know, if you think about that, that's pretty scary. Um, so, but yeah, we're, we're doing okay up here, <laughs> but we're not going back to school. That's one of the things that um, our district kind of decided if they had to um, sanitize between students, if they had to um, keep social distance, they don't think that that's any better mentally for the students than being at home. Right. Um, so that's kind of something that our, our district kind of decided that we're not going back to school yet. Um, my kids personally don't want to go back to school if we do open, um, just because if I have to wear a mask, what's the difference? I'm just not socializing with my peers. What? why can't I just go to school from home? Um, so they won't, they're, they're going to stay on distance learning and definitely. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds kind of similar to what's going on down here. So um, they have like a contingency plan that we're supposed to open up in a month, but um, we had to be out of the purple tier, I think um, like a week or two ago in order for the, like us to even move that way. And we're not out of the purple tier. Yeah. So, uh, but we they have. The purple, we were out of the purple tier for like a whole two weeks, and then right as Christmas kind of came around, then we went right back into it. And they're they're saying we probably won't be out of it until March. So, because mm-hmm. for us, we can only have seven per seven cases per a thousand people. So, because of the the ICU capacity that we have. Um, so, I mean, seven people are sick in the county and we're back in the purple tier. So it's like, yeah. yeah. And with surges, I mean, a surge is, you know, eight people. Didn't we have like 21,000 people just yesterday? Was I was looking at the numbers and I was like, what? That can't be right. Like, oh, of new, new cases? New cases. Probably. We're, yeah. And we're currently having an outbreak in our jail here in the county. So that's, that's <sighs> not they registered 68 people in one day. And that's a, that's a, that's a lot for our area. Oh my God. Wow. Ooh, yucky. So what do you think? This is a crazy question, Shannon. Okay. And none of us have crystal balls, but what do you think like the lasting effects on the kids will be? Oh, I think it depends really on, again, on the level. Um, starting like at high school. Um, I mean, it's having an effect on their mental health, with you know, just them being able to um, socialize with their peers. I, I worry about that as they transition into adulthood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I worry about our middle school age students. Um, like, I'll give you the example, I have a daughter right now in eighth grade. So she left middle school, you know, in March as a middle seventh grader. So she got like a year and a half of middle school. And like we're saying, she's 
they're probably going to be this in this situation for the remainder of her middle school. How is that going to look when she goes to ninth grade? Right. Like our, I just kind of think about like their social skills because so much happens in middle school to where they're interacting with their peers. They start to learn like what's appropriate behavior versus like, okay, that's probably not socially acceptable, but they haven't had really the chance to do that um, in person and they don't do it online. Um, I don't know if you guys see, but I can walk into my daughter's little classroom at any time and everyone's camera is off. They don't turn their cameras on. Um, it's a lot of, you know, like the, the teachers and, and um, the teachers are more of just doing the teaching and the students are listening, um, which is, this is, this is no fault of the teachers. Um, but you can't completely replicate um, what's happening in this virtual setting. You can't replicate the, the in-person interactions. You just can't. It's not possible. I worry about um, the younger kids. So I have nieces and nephews who are um, in the primary grades. And just I'm worried about their comprehension with reading. and Again, those social interactions. Um, so I think we'll see it on a lot of different levels. But at the same time, I, I have hope in that the kids are learning things. So they might not be learning the exact same curriculum or, you know, science or English that might not be at the same exact level, but there is a lot to be learned um, as far as just resiliency, right. Mm -hmm. And being in a situation that none of us have ever had to be in. And I think I put something on Instagram the other day. I saw someone put, you know, we've asked these kids really to adjust their whole entire lives really for the benefit of adults, because that's who we're, we're mainly concerned about is we're more concerned about um, adults right now, right? Because we have adults with underlying health conditions and we have adults in certain age categories. And I'm not saying that we're not worried about the kids. I think we're all worried about the kids, but we kind of just said, Hey kids, this is what we're going to do. Um, and we've asked their voice, and, and I know a lot of districts have done things like student panels where you get student voice to kind of see what their experience is. Um, but at the end of the day, we're the adults and we end up making the decisions, right? And the kids are kind of along for the ride. So I, I do want to um, have that, hold on to that hope that the kids will, will be all right in the big picture of things. Um, because as long as they are reassured. And I think that's where as adults, we come in a lot is reassuring them. Like it's okay if your grades like fall behind this year, or if you don't learn everything that you had planned on learning, right. Especially those kids that are like in advanced level classes. It's like, Oh, but you know, am I not going to pass the AP test or how is this going to affect my college credit? Like it will be okay. Like, it really will Do, be okay. You get a pass. <laughs> Personally, I think they should just get a pass. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> so our, our district actually um, went that route last semester because of the emergency shutdown. Um, our district adopted a, a no harm policy. Mm -hmm. um, so because we are in a district where um, we weren't one-on-one -on -one technology and we have um, a very high... Um, poverty level in our district so we have we're basically like at 100% free and reduced lunch so people in the school world kind of know that that's how you measure 
where your income levels are. Mm -hmm. Um, So once you get to a certain percentage, I think it's like 87% or something like that. um, They basically just qualify everyone for free Mm -hmm. and reduced lunch because you're in an area where there's so much need. So our kids didn't have, you know, Chromebooks. A lot of them don't have internet access. And so instruction just stopped. Like the teachers were not allowed to assign new assignments because it came an issue of equity. Um, Now, if I might have a Chromebook, right, or my daughter might have a Chromebook, but then, you know, her classmates don't have a Chromebook or don't have access. So you can't really give um, my student the opportunity to keep learning if all students can't have the opportunity to keep learning. So they paused everything and they basically said uh, what your grades were on March 13th are your grades and you can only raise them. Mm -hmm. And so teachers were able to give assignments to help students raise their grades and they um, changed the grading policy to an A, a B, a C, or a pass. Mm. So we had a no harm policy as well. Um, Grades couldn't go down, but they could go up, Mm -hmm. but they were still, they were, there were still kids that failed because that was their their grade that they had yeah uh, mm-hmm. we, had that we had this some a similar policy however the start of the new the new school year that policy is no longer in place here correct that's so. the same for us yeah so um one way that i i guess it was addressed was that we went to one-on-one technology and um hot spots so every single student we're in a district of about twenty-two thousand students Every student, every student was issued a Chromebook, and then if they didn't have internet access, they were issued a hotspot. So one so of the problems like level playing field, I guess. Yeah, the one of the problems that we have in our district is that we, because we are in, we're in what they call an internet dead zone, mm. uh, or an internet desert. Um, so not all of our kids actually have access to the internet, and you can't even get a hotspot for it. Um, so I'm not sure how they're addressing that that issue here i think that they're doing independent study packets instead um but they that's been a huge a huge hurdle for for our county and our district yeah yeah in our district we have a, an outlying area um just like that what you're saying so even they can give them the it's hot a, spots but they it's a lot them. of kids in this i mean you can get like right outside city limits and there is no service at all um so it's been yeah. it's been a challenge <laughs> I think. Yeah, I had heard, and I believe this happens in our district, is they um, were taking school buses with, um, like, Wi-Fi and parking them in certain areas. Yeah. They can't even to- do that. The infrastructure is not there here. I mean, that's that's how small we are. Like, the infrastructure just isn't there. Um, so, yeah. They're delivering, when they go to pick up their free lunch, they're delivering a packet. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I mean, I, they they figured it out, but I know for a little while it was it was challenging, and I I know the fam there are families that are still finding that to be a challenge even with the packets. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, for sure, because you have to think about um, like the parents' level, right? So like their level of education, their level of availability. Are they working twelve hours a day? Who's able to help that student with that packet of work? And even and then, I feel like. I feel like we all became teachers overnight. Like, even though the teacher's on the Zoom call, right? That doesn't mean that they are getting the hands-on help that they they need. 
Um, they're not, they're not. Yeah. You know, and we're even having- us smart people can't, I mean, not, not that we're any smarter than anybody else, but like I have a college education, so I've done the math that they're doing and I know kind of what to do, but even then it's a challenge to sometimes try to, to help them. And our kids don't like help from their parents too. So that's, that's always good too. <laughs> Well, it's changed so much, right? With the implementation right. of Common Core, it's like, why is four plus three seven? It's like, well, it's because it's seven. <laughs> That's the way we learn. It's, <laughs> it's seven. It's like, no, it's I explain every single way that it's seven. Yeah, we uh, we kind of abandoned Common Core <laughs> in our house. I'm like, no, math is math, and this is how we're doing it because <laughs> I don't know how to do it the other way, and I'm not going to try to figure it out. It's so, literally us yeah. our house too, Jules. It's like Common Core can just shove it. That's how I feel about it. I feel <laughs> bad for the teachers next year if the kids go back on campus um, because Mm-mm. they're going to be like, "That's not how my mom told me how to do it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I yeah, think that, I'm a little concerned about that one. Like, mom didn't teach me that way. Like. <laughs> I think I think an important piece is when we are able to finally go back is um, like as educators and and parents as well, just remembering that, like, we're just going to have to meet the students where they're at. Like, maybe we need to just dismiss, oh, well, we got to catch them back up, right? Like, we have to get them to the certain, no, like, this is where we're at. Yes, right. Here, because ultimately... I mean, we're, we're the ones who set the standards. We're the ones who say this is considered normal for, you know, this age group or this grade level. And so um, it's like, you can't even compare it to the data anymore because when you have that much of a gap in the way things were done, like the data is basically irrelevant. Well, there isn't any data for 2020. Right. We didn't do any, we didn't do any testing. We didn't, I mean, really, honestly, like how, how do you even gauge it? Right. Grades, but the grades really, it doesn't really, for me, it's like, there is no data. So let's just assume everybody needs help. Support. Support, (laughs) help. Yeah. Yeah. Tutoring, whatever needs to happen um, and move on. (laughs) Like that's how I feel about it. Like the standard and honestly, death to standardized tests would be amazing. I, I, don't think standardized tests should even exist so <laughs> the, the the crazy thing is is there is so much focus that's put on them and yet right. we were able to shut everything down go this whole past school year you know without them and life just kept moving on mm-hmm. right like life didn't yep. stop because we don't have standardized tests well and we were still we're still teaching so that means that we don't need standardized tests to be able to teach Right. 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 So, or for it to even be such a, such a great factor in determining. What, what, my thing is, what are they for? The accolades of the state? Oh, look how well we did on our standardized tests. Like. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of schools um, do use them for that or they use them for the opposite, right? To basically say, well, your school is not good mm-hmm. because your kids aren't performing at a certain level. But I mean, that's just one piece of the picture of what right. could be called good. Right. Yeah. Yep. We're just going to call this episode death to the standardized test. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, So 
What is your best advice on teaching resiliency to kids? Other than school of hard knocks during a pandemic. (laughs) Um, I think it's really like owning your story. So when you take power over your story and and who you are, um, I know for, for me, for example, you know, I grew up here in this Valley and um, I had a much different life than the life that I'm living right now. I'm like a daughter and a granddaughter of migrant farm workers and um, grew up just really high poverty and education wasn't really something that was pushed. And so I've really tried to change that, um, like my path in life. And I realized one day that when it was when I started to own my story. So instead of just kind of explaining away my story or explaining how I, you know, came to be, um, and by came to be, I mean, like, you know, I guess people would call like, oh, now you're successful. Um, I just started owning it. I owned what I've been through. I tried to share my story um, because I really do believe that if I wouldn't have gone through a lot of the things that I've gone through and had the upbringing that I had, um, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. And that's a lot of what drives me as, as a counselor, as a school counselor is really just being that person for students that I needed when I was younger. Um, And so I think that that's probably the biggest part is like things don't always go great, especially when you're, you know, you're a kid that's growing up in circumstances that are beyond your control. Um, Like a lot of my students are, a lot of them are growing up, you know, with not knowing where the next meal is going to come from, or maybe not knowing where they're going to sleep or, you know, um, situations in the home with the family and stuff like that. But um, if they can start to, to realize that like they can control what they can control, right. Cause they can't control everything. Um, and you start to really just like own that story. Um, then I think that that's what helps to build resiliency. And that's what I see a lot in my students is, you see and hear their stories and you're like, how are you doing so well in school? I mean, I think a lot of it too, is they have a good support system, right? So maybe they don't have it at home, but they have it somewhere at school or with other adults. But um, I would say that that's probably just the biggest piece is like really just owning who you are um, and controlling what you can control. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I heard your main passion is teaching diversity. Mm-hmm. Tell me about, tell me about it. <laughs> so I think for me, like, I just really am big on really just equity and um, accepting people. I mean, we're all different, you know? And so I guess a little background is growing up here where I grow up, um, where I grew up, um, things were really different. Like I grew up in this very small town that was probably, I don't know how many people it was at the time, 30,000 or something like that, 20, 30,000. And like everyone knew everyone. And so um, when you grow up in this small town and you don't have a lot of money, but your peers have like money. um, And then, and then I guess another piece is like, so I'm 
my mom is Mexican and my dad's white, but growing up in this small town, there weren't many um, like Mexican families or black families. So it was like, I mean, you could count them on like a hand. Um, so I always had this feeling when I was growing up of like, where do I fit in? Like, I'm not Mexican enough because my parents didn't teach me Spanish. Um, I know Spanish now, but I'm not white enough because like I felt like I didn't fit in, you know, in that little circle. Um, I think that it's just important to really just realize like where our students are at and really value like their stories and give them the things that they need to be successful. Um, Cause I think back to like when I was a kid and I'm like, things probably would have been different if I had more people on maybe in my corner, more educators um, that were rooting for me. And I had some, um, but I don't feel like I had enough. Um, Cause I was just kind of that quiet kid and coming from, you know, poor family I didn't really think like college was for me and so that's a huge thing where I'm trying to help my students realize like college is for you so college is not just for like a certain type of people or a certain color of people or a certain income level of people college is for is for you to have opportunities in life and so um, if we can get you there right then like that's the first step and I really do truly believe like that education's that great equalizer like it allowed for me to be able to continue to live in my community and live in a in a much different place than what I grew up in um but to be able to like give back to my community um that's really huge for my husband and I um because we you know we had the opportunity to move out of the area and live in a different place but I've just always seen it like, for me, a good measure of success is not moving away from where you're from. It's coming back to where you're from <laughs> and helping out others. It's paying it forward. Like, that's so huge for me. I love that. So it's, you sound very similar to me. <laughs> I grew up where I am raising my kids and not a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, same, same thing. I was, uh, I am half Mexican and half Irish and it was an interesting dynamic. Um, I mean, I live in a predominantly white area um, mm-hmm. or I lived in a predominantly white area. The, um, demographic is completely different now, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I share the same sentiment as you. It's like, uh, we wanted to come back and raise our kids in this area and give back to the place that my parents, um, brought us up in because it was a wonderful place for me. I mean, mm-hmm. my husband grew up over the hill, which is not very far um mm-hmm. and kind of you know shares the same sentiment um mm-hmm. so it's it's uh it's it's interesting to see i think um cuz where i grew up same thing i think there was 30,000 people i, I want to say less when we moved in here and i was 3 and now we're going to crest it i think the mayor was talking about something crazy like 100,000 people pretty soon mm-hmm. 
And it's so different now, which I think is good, especially for our kids, because they are not being raised in a predominantly white area anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it is still an affluent area, but the diversity is so much better now and it's so much more realistic um, to the world rather than um living in a bubble <laughs> yeah i mean we still we still call it the bubble because it is it's yeah you know we're it's very safe here and blah 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 whatever but you know we take them everywhere they go to oakland they go to hayward you know my father-in-law lives in hayward uh, my family lives in on the peninsula in san francisco like we don't discriminate i, I think it's important for the kids to see every single walk of life otherwise uh-huh. they just become very close-minded and um it's just it's not uh we don't live in the 70s anymore right chelsea yep <laughs> yeah even though i'm from the 1950s <laughs> well my kids think i'm from the 50s but that's fine okay <laughs> what is this record player mom it's like stop okay <laughs> No, 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 no. Our teenager loves his record player. Okay. Like, oh, yeah. My teenager now has a record player. Mm-hmm. They are, yeah, they are, yes. Yeah. They're a hot commodity right now. They <laughs> sure are. That was our, um, one of our gifts to our 13 year old. And I'm like, where, where is this old soul coming from? Right. He wants records. It, my husband pulled out his records from high school. <laughs> right. Dusty and probably scratched. My parents pulled out their records and for him and it's like, where did this start? Like why? Yeah. Well now you can, get records at, um, you can get <laughs> records at Target. You can. I'm like, what the no. Okay. Mm-hmm. I need a Rasputin, please. Like <laughs> Um, did did you get the folklore record? Of course we did. Yeah, of so did I. We did. Okay. <laughs> We pre-ordered that thing in June or whenever. I, and and uh, I assume you pre-ordered Willow. Uh, yes, we did. And, <laughs> and I got the digital be- download. Okay. I'm just saying. Right? <laughs> Everybody needs a little Taylor Swift in their life. Okay. Yes, yes. Especially those two records are like, I don't even know. If she's going back to country, I'm like, so here for it. Like, you know. know. <laughs> Taylor so much. She was... <laughs> Anyway, sorry about that, Shannon. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Give me, give us some tips, um, easy tips for teaching the kids at home. Okay, so easy tips for teaching them at home. If you're able to have a designated space, um, I know that's not feasible for everyone, but if you are able to have a designated space that is just for school, um, and and especially if it can be a space like where you can close the door so that they can like go to school and then come home from school. Right. Because um, so much we're seeing that like the lines are becoming blurred. Like, I don't know how many kids we end up seeing. They're, they're laying in bed while their teacher is teaching. And it's like, get out of bed and go mm, sit I somewhere. Can, I, we're, we're guilty of that. I see Chelsea's face. <laughs> you know what, you guys can go to school wherever you want. Like, well, the reason why I say it is because uh, like with my daughter, who's in eighth grade, 
it's helped her to have this space because then it's like, okay, this is my space to work and go to school. And now this is my space to relax. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where no, my kids aren't like in bed, blurred. but they're, yeah, I had, I had a teacher get upset because they were sitting in their beanbag chair and I'm like, no, <laughs> they're going to sit in their oh, beanbag yeah. chair if they want to. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Totally. Totally. Good. I think definitely like that's the benefit is you can find a more comfortable space. So I guess, yeah, if they feel comfortable there, but it's finding that space they need, right. they need to find the space that they feel comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think trying to stick with as much as a routine as you can, you know, if you can try to stick with um, like a decent bedtime bedtime. Um, Cause I know a lot of the kids, like they're not having to log on until a little bit later than if we were in person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a benefit I feel like like the fact that they don't have to log on a lot of times till like nine o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. I feel like the kids are getting more sleep and a lot of them don't get enough sleep at you know the time when they're in school so I think trying to stick with the routine um, having a designated space um, really just doing what you can during the hours of school and then walking away because they're getting so much screen time. (laughs) It's like, okay. um, They don't need to sit and do three hours of homework after they've been on line all day long. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that's an important part, but at the same time, like communicate with the teachers. So if you're noticing with your students that it's becoming overwhelming, like, cause you know, they're sitting on, for how many hours they're sitting on the screens and then let's say they do have all these hours of homework it's so important that parents and students communicate back with the teachers because we have to remember that teachers really have never done this before like they're in uncharted territory as well and so um you know they think well i gotta assign them so much work because i want to make sure that you know they're not falling behind or whatever you know you hear a lot of different things but it's like yeah, that doesn't always work in the online setting. <laughs> that same amount of work is just way too much. But if yeah. the if the parents aren't communicating that back to the teachers, the teachers really won't know. No, we had our we had a teacher um, actually assigning a lot of homework because they thought we needed the kids to stay busy. No, um, while we were working or something like that. I don't. I'm not. I can't. I. I'm not really sure what the reasoning was that behind that, but. She thought that it was just, you know, we needed to keep the kids busy throughout the day. And I'm like, no, I don't want my kids to be busy after one o'clock when they get out of school. I want them to be kids at one, at one o'clock. Right. So right. I think that, yeah, and I think that's an important thing that early on was good for us because it made the te- their teacher in particularly realize that the parents didn't necessarily want their kids to be busy with homework. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Um, so I think that, and also just trying to find time for them to get outside as well, right? Because they're sitting so many hours on the screen. If you can get outside time, like if you live in an area where you guys can go outside and walk, hike, things like that. I think that those are important, important factors as well. Um, but I think really probably the biggest thing is just the communication, like as a parent, you got to communicate back with the school or with the teacher. If things aren't working, um, call the school, call the kids counselor. Like what is not working well for your, for your student? Um, because maybe this, you know, this certain format's not working, but maybe there's another 
option that your school or your district has that might work better for your student. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a piece of that too is making space for your kids to be communicating to you what isn't working for them as well. Because I think a lot of times as parents, we think we know what's good for our kids. And then we find out that the kids don't necessarily agree that that's what's good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe sometimes in, when it's too late. So yeah. Uh, and I think creating that space. One last thing is just like, I think all of us um, parents um, as well, we just need to like manage our expectations for this school year. Right. Um, it's not a normal school year. Like I really see it as it's just always going to be that school year with an asterisk. Mm-hmm. And so if we can remember that, that like the kids are still going to learn things. Oh yeah. To learn everything they were supposed to learn, but it's okay. Like it'll be okay. Yes. It will. My kids keep on telling me they're not learning anything. And I'm like, that's okay too. (laughs) You're not learning anything new and it's easy. Then let it be easy. Let that be the the worst of your problems. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what do you say to the parents who are, how, how do I put this nicely? literally freaking out that their kid is not um, like at their full potential, quote unquote. Um, like, what do you say to those parents? I'm ha- this is my, my uh, current issue is like, how do I explain to these parents that this is not the end of the world and that the kids really are going to be okay. And Yes, of course, we want them to be in school, but also we are being realistic, right? (laughs) I don't know what to say to these people. I think everything that you just said, like, I think um, listening, like listening to them, right? Because like they're concerned, um, especially like I notice a lot of times parents when it's their first child, like it's the oldest child, they don't know what's to come after this. And it's like, are they really going to be severely behind or things like that? but just listening to them, like what kind of figuring out where the concerns are coming from, like, are they afraid that they're just not going to be prepared for their next level? Or is it because it's a high schooler and they don't feel like they're going to be prepared for college? Um, but really just focusing on there's a lot that can be learned. So they might not be learning everything um, like the same academically as if we were in person, but like there are skills that they can be learning right like these kids with technology they're they teach us yes every day mm-hmm. every yeah. day I'm like can you please help me <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing okay mommy doesn't know what she's doing uh it's a uh, you know I feel I feel really I want to be empathetic um to these to parents and I understand like for some kids uh, I think the biggest thing for them is like the sports. It's a huge issue, right? Especially, you know, the, the kids who play football and play basketball and play um, baseball um, mm-hmm. and all those kids that had potential scholarships. I understand that completely. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like maybe that was the crutch and maybe they need, something else. I don't know. You know, I, all my kids play sports. Um, right. So we experienced that with our, our middle child. Um, she was a senior. 
So she's class of 2020. Mm-hmm. So her track season was cut. She had only did one meet and, you know, she was excelling in track and she really struggled with it. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to put it besides she really just struggled. Like it was almost like a, like she had to grieve. Yeah. Like what did she, what she did not get the chance to do. Right. Cause not only did track season get cut short, she was involved in ASB. So, you know, she's one of those kids that's super involved and then um, they didn't get to go to prom. Yeah. All of these last senior things, they had a drive through graduation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, the, the school and the district did the best that they could do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just um, explaining to parents of just validating their, their kids' feelings because you're right. Like when you're an adult, you're like, okay, it was just track season or it was just this season. Like there'll be more opportunities, but when you're a kid and you miss out on those things, it feels like the end of the world. Yeah. You go through that. Yeah. I feel bad for these kids, man. Yeah. It's a lot. Okay. Chelsea ready. I, I, I don't know. Are you ready, Audra? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are great, uh, great tips. And I 100% agree with everything you said. Um, <laughs> yeah. We could just like fast forward now and get to the end of this pandemic. Then we'd all be much better for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to the day that we don't have to talk about COVID-19 or the pandemic on this podcast ever again. <laughs> 2022 i'm thinking okay <laughs> remember Listen. when okay yeah coming up in season three. Oh, um so, <laughs> but it's it's really valuable that we get um people like you to come on the podcast and talk to us about our kids and our own mental health through it because um you know i don't think it's being talked about enough um especially in in the emergency responder world, I don't think that we're really like really talking about it enough. Um, yeah, right. So I value you. I'm glad you're here. Okay. So I think I'm ready. We're going to put you on the hot seat. Okay. You know <laughs> <laughs> um, so for those of you just tuning in, the hot seat is we ask a series of um, split second questions. You just answer rapidly first thing that comes to mind and that's it. So here we go. First question. What's the last book you read? Oh, I'm actually currently reading um, a book by Brene Brown, Dare to Lead. Ah, I love her. We love her. Yeah. Yeah. She's good. (laughs) Very good. Um, she's on our, our podcast bucket list. (laughs) Um, what does integrity mean to you? Oh, integrity is, I mean, I feel like the, it's just doing the right thing, like doing the right thing, regardless, right. Doing the right thing, regardless of what is the outcome for me. Um, I know it's like, kind of sounds generic, but doing the right thing when no one's watching my husband, like constantly talks to the kids about that but yes it's um regardless of what it's going to benefit me um you got to yep. do the right thing what tv series are you currently binging while your firefighters on shift 
while he's on shift. Um, I don't usually watch a lot while he's on shift. We binge watch a lot together. Um, okay, what are you binging together then? Okay, so we're binge watching. Um, we just found the series Heartland. Oh, I love Heartland. Heartland. I didn't even know that that's been around for like 15 years. <laughs> we have okay. so many episodes to go. Oh, it's um, so good. But yeah, I don't. When he's not home, I typically just like spend all my free time on social media. <laughs> so I binge. I binge Instagram. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's a new one. That's a new answer. <laughs> I love it. Honestly. I like it though. The total honesty. Uh, that's an integrity we were talking about. Okay. What is the weirdest thing you've ever cooked on a shift night? Oh, probably. Um, probably breakfast. <laughs> solid yeah just like um what can we eat really quick yeah Yeah. cold cereal it is got it pancakes (laughs) pancakes yeah yeah what do i do to feed these kids yeah right quickly (laughs) yeah um what's something that you would tell your younger self it'll all be okay yeah you just got to keep plugging along you have to believe in yourself um and i think just go for it. Like, don't hesitate. Don't let anyone hold you back. Like, just really work on becoming your best self. Because there are kids out there that need you. Hmm. I love that. What is one thing that you do for yourself every day? Exercise. Probably six six days a week. Yeah. I actually just got, um, like a, one of those cycle bikes, like not the Peloton or anything, but similar to it, like the Costco version. So I'm really looking forward to that because I've heard it's a good workout. Cool. Let me know how you like it. I will. <laughs> Got to find something to do when it's raining because I'm not liking being out in the rain trying to exercise. Yeah. Freezing too. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, it's been kind of cold, but not, it doesn't get as cold up here because we're next to the ocean so we've got that good insulation um what do you do when you can't sleep at night put my calm app on Hmm. yeah so i i have that on my phone i'll typically listen to some type of sounds like ocean waves or um, a story have you guys ever tried the calm i haven't but I've seen it um, advertised. We use headspace. Okay. Yeah. I think it's similar. Yeah. I guess calm has, if you're, if you have Kaiser for your insurance, they give you the membership for free. Oh yeah. Nice. And, um, Matthew McConaughey, he tells stories, bedtime stories. So if you enjoy (laughs) his voice, (laughs) you can have him. I'm still still listening to Z dog to go to sleep when I can't sleep. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. I listen to him and he puts me right to sleep. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're hilarious. <laughs> and one of these days we'll have him on the podcast because he's freaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is one thing that you do to reconnect with your significant other after a shift? Um, exercise together. Oh. Yeah. A good one 
Yeah. So he really is into physical fitness and um, we have a lot of hills in our area. So um, he runs them. I don't do that. Um, <laughs> I walk them. So we usually like split up at first and he runs and um, that's just a really good way for him to kind of reconnect to home life. Nice. It, he says it helps him just kind of purge everything. But then on the way down, so we meet each other at the top and then on the way down, we just walk, walk down together. Have cool. good conversations. Yeah. That's good. I love that. And last question. Tell us something that you are grateful for. Um, I am grateful for my family. Um, it's been a crazy ride just being part of um, the fire service for so many years. And so um, my kids really don't know anything else besides it. But I am I'm just very happy that they go so much with the flow. Like they don't really know anything else, but um, I know that it's not always that easy for every family. So I think that's a huge benefit of uh, this being in our husbands being in the line of work they're in, and in the current pandemic, it's kind of like for us, it's like, eh, Mm -hmm. we're so used to the constant change and, kind of not chaos but like just always something you know so right hasn't right. been a huge of an adjustment for us I think probably for you guys I think it's the same because we're just the kids are so used to just adapting they are so used to adapting you know um even like um I know that was hard for a lot of people over the holidays who actually stayed away from their families mm-hmm. to do that and it was like we, we have been adjusting our whole entire life to one schedule. Our, yeah, to mm-hmm. our schedule for the holidays. And so yep. we just make do, right? Christmas falls on the day it falls whenever your husband's off. Yep. Totally. And the kids are okay. Like, they're okay. Yep. I don't know. It was really weird this year. Like, my kids are usually not, like, all about when is Christmas and what you know, what day are we celebrating and all of that? And for whatever reason, Cameron didn't get home until one o'clock in the afternoon on Christmas. And the kids were like, this is so weird. (laughs) Why is this any different than any other year? (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. No, it was was odd. Uh, Maybe, I don't know, pandemic. I don't know. Maybe they were hearing that. Maybe they were hearing that from their peers. Maybe. I don't think so because they didn't really... I don't know. I mean, they're not really talking to their peers when they're not in school. So I don't know. I just think it's maybe because they're older and they, they kind of know, Oh, it's Christmas now. I don't know. True. That part is true. I did notice that a little bit this year with my 13 year old, she said, so we're not going to celebrate Christmas on Christmas. And like, no, dad has to work this year. You know, know. you know, the deal. She was a little bummed. I mean, we still celebrated Christmas on Christmas, though. It was just a little, it was late in the afternoon. And maybe that was the weirdness for them. I just, I just thought it was different. I was like, this is odd for you guys. Like, usually you're so resilient. Like, oh, we'll just celebrate whenever we celebrate. And this year, not, not so much. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder what that was about. (laughs) Shannon, we want to thank you for joining us today. For our listeners, if you're interested in following Shannon, she can be found on Instagram at all one big word, school counselor on fire. 
If you're enjoying the show, it helps us tremendously. If you subscribe and rate us on iTunes, you can also find us on Buzzsprout, Spotify, Amazon, Google, and of course at DearChiefs.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tune in weekly for the 25,000-foot view of loving a first responder. Audra and Chelsea, over and out. (laughs) 